Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man on. He's an author. He's an historian. He's got a brand new book out. It's called Our Flag. We're still there. The Star-Spangled Banner that survived the British in 200 years and the Armistead family who saved it. It's Tom McMillan. Tom, how are you? Good to see you. Good. Great. Great to be here. You know, I'm a guy who still gets welled up when I see the flag and I hear the national anthem and, and I know what it symbolizes and freedom and liberty and the greatest land on the planet. Um, it's been under attack for a while now, and it always seems to be a, a left-leaning um, uh, administration, whether it's Jimmy Carter or, or the more modern-day ones, that, that seem to take away nationalism and understand what that flag is all about. Um, I haven't read your book yet. Can't wait to do so. I get welled up, as I said. I'm guessing you probably really enjoy seeing the flag wave as well. Why do we have this flag? Why is it a flag that looks like it does? Is there a lot to that? There's a lot to it. And Joe, I'm a pretty good student of history. And as I dug into this, I was surprised and almost embarrassed by how little I knew. Wow. We kind of know a little bit of this story. Key saw the flag and they went at Fort McHenry and gave the national anthem. And that is it. And there's so much more to it. And the idea kind of came, I would go to the Smithsonian and they still have the flag 209 years later. It's so thin. The original one. The, yes, this this flag still exists. Wow. The, the story is about its journey from Fort McHenry in 1814 to the Smithsonian today. You can go and visit it. But as great a job as they do, I'm convinced that even most who go to visit don't know that whole story and why it survives. And, you know, this is the, one of the most iconic pieces of American history. It's Our anthem is about a flag. This is the singular flag that it's about. Uh, all those years old, tattered and torn. But when I was talking to one of the conservators at the Smithsonian, when they were doing the late, latest rehab project, and they had to do a lot of work on it, she said, we viewed it as a metaphor for the country. It's tattered and it's torn, but it still survives. Yeah. And the flag survives as the country survives. And that's kind of the story that motivated them when they were working on it and motivated me to tell this story because I'm convinced that most people don't know the backstory of that flag that, that got there. It's well, if you're, if you're a historian and an author and you didn't know, you know darn well the talk show host doesn't know. So this is <laughs> going to be a fun conversation. Go to authortommcmillan.com and his last name is M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Uh, go there. And, uh, and go check out this. But now, can you get it elsewhere as well? Amazon, other places? Oh, oh yes, Amazon. Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. It's in some bookstores book already. It just came out last week. But Amazon and Barnes and & Noble are the, are, are the uh, prime places uh, to order. The, uh, the name of the book is Our Flag Was Still There and then a long subtitle as well. And we'll get into that more in a little while. Is this the original flag? Was it actually sewn by Betsy Ross? No, it was, that's another of the myths that I... Is that a wives' tale? I mean, is that not true? No, it's not true at all. This is this is uh, this is the flag. Uh, the battle was in 1814. It was ordered in 1813 by George Armistead, who was the commander at Fort McHenry. And the war uh, the war wasn't going well for the Americans back then. And he wanted a flag so large the British couldn't help but see it from a distance. So that he ordered it. And it was 30 feet high by 42 feet wide. Wow! And and a, and a local uh, a local Baltimore seamstress and flagmaker named Mary Pickerskill whose name does not flow off the tongue like Betsy Ross, but Mary and her daughter and her nieces and some other, about seven ladies got together. It took them six weeks. They made two flags. They made a smaller storm flag. Each floor had, uh, fort had that as well. The storm flag would fly during inclement conditions. But so this flag flew over Fort McHenry for a full year before the battle. And well, the amazing thing to me, like I was trying to, how, why does it still survive? Yeah. It's because Armistead, after the battle, about a year or two, took it down off the flagpole and took it home as a souvenir. Oh, wow. And it, it remained in the private possession of his family for 90 years. 
until his grandson donated to the Smithsonian in 1907. So that's why this, it still exists. Because, Joe, I think history, a lot through history, in the immediate moment, people don't always grasp the importance of things. The war was still going on. It's only sometimes years or decades later you look back so and you realize, wow, this is an iconic item of American patriotism. So thankfully, that family kept it, but they kept it mostly as, as their father and grandfather's heirloom. And it was only over time that we realized, wow, this is the this is the actual flag that flew over Fort McHenry and Key wrote the song of us. So it it's tied totally to our national anthem. It is uh, author uh, and historian Tom McMillan. Go to uh, authortommcmillan.com. Get his book. It's called Our Flag Was Stole There, the Star-Spangled Banner that Survived the British in 200 Years and the Armistead Family Who Saved It. Uh, what's interesting about this, most people think the, the American Revolution happened and on July 4th, uh, you know, 1776, we won, and we all cracked open the champagne. That, of course, isn't what happened. We didn't even have the Constitution ratified until 1787. The War of 1812, was that the British trying to take back um, what we what we claim to be independent, independently ours? Did they come back to say, well, wait a second, this isn't over? Was it sort of an extension, or was it a completely different thing? It wasn't. It was a completely different thing. There was still some, some tension, but but basically... We, they were trying to bully us. We were a, a young power, so to speak. It, yeah. it's, it's only 36 years after the declaration. But there was a war going on over in Europe between England and France, 20 years for control of the continent. And the British, it was a battle of attrition. They, they needed more soldiers. and they, they would board American ships and say, you know, these Americans are really British. And they would force American sailors into service in the British Navy. Oh, wow. They tried to cut off our trade with France. So... We were offended by this affront to our, our, our sovereignty. So President Madison declared war in 1812. We declared war on them. It, it wasn't as good military position or decision, but I think they didn't know what to do. And they, for a while, they bit off more than they could chew. But in the, Amer- the American way, we figured it out. And the, the war didn't go well. The war actually lasted three years. Didn't go well for the first few years. But the American military learned how to fight. And Fort McHenry was one of the key battles. There were three or four in 1814-15 that did it. And the British basically pulled back. But it, it had that war, had that battle and war ended differently, our, the history of our country would be completely different. And we don't know much about that war, so we don't really focus on it. I saw somebody do a man in the street the other day, and I forget who it was. It was somebody that we would know the name of who was asking people when was the War of 1812, who didn't seem to understand or know when the war happened. And, uh, and also, who is it against? And no, people had no clue whatsoever. They were just saying different European countries didn't involve us at all. So th- that historically has, has kind of been forgotten. I'm glad that you're bringing it back to light with the, the story of the flag. Tell me about the material that was used in this flag. Would it be like what we use today for clothing or for flags, or was it c- completely different? And w- when they it, rehabilitate it, Tom, do they rehabilitate it with similar material, or are they using modern material to, to restore it? Yeah, it, it was English English wool bunting. Ironically, the, the wool was ordered from England. Wow. And, and again, 30, 30 feet by 42 feet. These Huge. women, it took them six weeks. After a while, it got so big, they had, to, they had to drag it from Mary Pickerskill's house to a local brewery and spread it out on the floor to work on it there and sewing the stars in with special techniques. But what's happened over the years, one of the amazing stories is it's eight feet shorter now than it used to be, Joe. If you oh, go wow. to Smith- 30 by 34 and it's jagged. It's not battle damage. And the conservators told me we would view this as sacrilegious today, but it was commonplace back then. The Armistead ladies would cut off snippets of the flag and give them the souvenirs to battle, to battle veterans, uh, dignitaries. Again, we're gassed at that today, but that's what they did back then. Yeah. So they, over time, cut eight feet of the flag away. 
know, since then, they've had to work on it. There were major rehab projects in 1914, and again, really one in, in the early 2000s. They spent eight years working on it. They had to take stitches out of the flag, and very gingerly, I have a photo of the flag from the year 2000 with ladies just suspended in machines over the flag because you can't touch it. It's so thin and frail. But they did this great work. And th what exists is the actual, they didn't replace anything, but they have to just deal with it. It was so weak that they have to make sure after 209 years, you can imagine the condition it might be in. And yet, when you look at it, it's still amazingly strong and it's bright. And I think when you go around that corner in the Smithsonian, it's a really darkened chamber. Uh, it's really everybody, even the school kids get silent and military veterans. You can just, you can talk about welling up in their eyes. You can feel, it's almost like it's on an altar. It's if, if uh, every American should go there. If you go to this DC, go to the Smithsonian, go to see the star spangled banner. It's really a special moment. It is um, again, author Tom McMillan, go get his book. It's called our flag was still there. It's the story of this flag that was flying um, over uh, Fort McHenry, right? Yes. In, yes. Uh, it, well, during the War of 1812. What's amazing to me is that the, the colors are the colors because of the, the Union Jack, right? We took the red, white, and blue from England, did we not? There are all sorts of theories. That seems to be the most likely theory. Though, in fact, I, I, I speculated in the book that when Key and the people out on the boat, he was on a boat in the harbor uh, during the battle. Imagine what perspective that would be. You're yeah. behind the ships, and they bombed Fort McHenry for 25 hours. Wow. 1,500 bombs. But they're looking to see which flag at the next morning, which misty and, and rainy, was flying over the fort. Who won the battle? And, and you're right. The, the British flag is red, white, and blue as well. But they were finally able to make uh, out the stars and stripes with our flag. And the other thing, Joe, in the cover of the book, because the people on social media have said, the, that's not a, a legal flag. It violates the flag code. It had 15 stars and 15 stripes. I was just about we, to ask you how many stars and stripes were on it. I didn't know if it was the colonial flag, but I thought there were more states than the, the original 13. So it was 15. 15 stars and 15 stripes. Back when we were a young country, we thought the theory, we, we were going to add one star and one stripe for each state. Oh. It was only an 18. Imagine what our flag would look like today. <laughs> Humongous. Yeah, it would be crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't until 1818 that Congress decided, okay, 13 stripes for the original colonies and a star for each new flag. So when people look at this flag, it, it looks a little different. And, and, and some people are, well, where did that come from? Because they just don't know the story. But that's the story. behind. I, the first line of the book is, this is the story behind the story of the most famous flag in U.S. history. And, and what I was the lady's name again? Who made it? Mary Pickerskill. I, I, picker skill is it, it's actually she's picked her skill and she made the flag i think that's kind of you could you make all sorts of stories about that where did betsy yeah. ross come from did she do the original colonial flag she was in philadelphia she was a flag maker in philadelphia and that is the myth the rumor there are always people have questioned that <laughs> so was we don't a, really we don't even know was it a descendant she made flags I mean, she certainly made flags did she make the very first flag you know a, a grandson said that it became a great story we yeah. love great stories so he you don't really know. I only got into that just a little bit, but I did want to make the case because I, I went to the Smithsonian. I live in Pittsburgh, so I went to the Smithsonian about four hours away numerous times during this research, and there are always school groups there. And it would infuriate me inside when I would hear the teacher or the moderator say, go inside and see the Betsy Ross flag, because that's <laughs> what everyone thinks. So part of this is, I don't know, it, you almost sound arrogant when you say correcting history, but we, we, we accept myths because they're such great stories and we don't really look into them. So there's some things I think I'm very proud that the book maybe will correct that you have a slightly different view and get the full story of 
why it happened, why the anthem happened, and why it's so incredible yeah. that it exists today. Well, I think our duty is, and I think it sounds like you agree, is to correct history. I remember I interviewed uh, Dr. Mudd's great-grandson back in 1996. He was, I think, 103 years old, something like that. Um, and, and I sat down with him, and I was amazed by the story of Dr. Mudd, who you know, uh, gave John Wilkes Booth you know, some, some health care when he jumped out the window and broke his leg. And since then, your name is Mud because Dr. Mud was dragged through the mud quite literally. Um, after he helped this guy, why would you ever give aid to the guy that just shot Lincoln? And just finding out the history of that, I mean, what I learned in school was nothing like what the real story was. And I think it is your job as a historian and my job as somebody who tries to tell the truth to give the right answers. Um, so I'm glad that you did this because I never heard of a picker skill. I certainly know her now, and my viewers and listeners will find out as well. Have you got an opinion, um, Tom, on on the third stanza of the Star-Spangled Banner? I think I, I know what it means because that was just an insult of the day that you would call somebody like a, a piece of garbage or a piece of blank and that was calling them slaves and something else, underlings or whatever it was. It, yeah. what is, is that a racist stanza or not? I get into the anthem a little bit. I, there have been books written on the anthem. I wanted to make sure that this was a book more about the flag. Yes. But you can't write about the, it's the name the Star Spangled Banner because of the anthem. The one thing I like to point out to people is a lot of folks have not read and don't even know there are four verses yes we only sing the first verse people think that's the anthem if you sit down and read all four verses you can see what key was doing he was he never set out to write a national anthem that wasn't his he didn't say i'm going to write a national anthem someday he witnessed this battle from the water and it, it's his feelings about the battle sequentially you can yes. tell the writing sequentially actually he doesn't the, the first verse ends in a question mark and people always say what's it it's because the first verse he's saying, for a while, I didn't know who won the battle. That's why it ends with a question Amazing. mark. It's not until the second verse that he declares victory, and it's an exclamation point. And the third verse, a, a lot of us think there are all sorts of different interpretations. And Key didn't do us any favors. He never wrote about why he wrote what he wrote. He yeah. never explained it. All we have are the lyrics. But I think a lot of historians, but the third verse is angry at the British the British were the enemy. We were fighting them for the second time in 36 years. And there was a lot of venom uh, toward it. And then the fourth verse, he wraps it up. And he also uses, in God we trust, he yes. kind of created the motto there. He, he did it for the first time. So I think to really assess the anthem, you can't just read a singular verse. You have to read right. all four of them to see and understand the history of the war. I think a lot of folks who criticize it don't realize. They say, why is it so military? He was writing about a battle. Again, he wasn't trying to write an anthem. It took 117, was it 1931, 117 years later that it became the anthem. So it was long after Key he had died. But if you if you look at Google it and look up all four or read this book and read all four verses, you'll see that he's writing sequentially about his experiences during the battle. That right. was his purpose. I think he would be stunned if he knew this was the national anthem. Very well explained. I, I've had other historians on, and they say that it was a general insult of the day. And there were still some young Americans, some Americans in this young land, who would switch sides and go enslave themselves to the British. And it wasn't about you know African slaves. It wasn't about the slave trade. It was about calling somebody the worst name you could possibly call them. And it didn't have anything to do with race at all. And I think that was a, a pretty good explanation. You're the first person who told me that he wrote it sequentially as he was viewing the war. That is major information. And I appreciate you telling us that. He's an author 
author, he's an historian. The book is called Our Flag Was Still There, The Star-Spangled Banner That Survived the British in 200 Years, and The Armistead Family Who Saved It. His name is uh, is is Tom McMillan. Uh, Tom, one last thing on this. Uh, any thoughts? We talked about this briefly before we started today, that it's a vast minority that always attack the flag or want to step on the flag or burn the flag. Uh, any thoughts as a historian as you watch that? Did this happen through our history in this in this country that people always, you know, took out their anger on that symbol? I think people have taken out their anger on the on the symbol since I'm researching a book now on the on the declaration in 1776. We've had these divides forever. It's part of America. It's we have free speech. Yes. That's what that's what's happened. There are always, you know, there's so much more publicity now because of social media, but right. we've always had these throughout our history. And I think going back to what the lady from the Smithsonian said about it's about survival and this flag has survived as the country survives. We overcome these challenges. We already always have. And when I look at that flag, this particular flag, this individual flag, that's what I think 209 years later that it has survived. And, and all these people over two centuries who obviously didn't know each other, they all chipped in from George Armistead who thought of it and defended it. Mary Pickersfield who made it. And all the people since then, his grandson who donated it, all the people at the Smithsonian who for 100 years have worked on it, the major project in, in 2008. And now they're convinced that it, it will last a long time. It's I love it. it. I, I trust that it will. There's a reason why, why that flag still survives. I'm glad you wrote about it. The name of the book is Our Flag Was Told There. His name is uh, Tom McMillan. Tom, let's do it again soon. I appreciate you stopping by. Would love to, Joe. Thank you so much. All right. We're back after this. Stay right here. Joe Pags. I really enjoyed having Tom on because um, there's information there that I have never known before. I'm always looking for new information, better information. I think that he makes a good point. We get so wound up in what's happening today and in modern day, we forget history. And correcting history as much as he actually apologized for correcting history, no, he should. And so should you. And make sure you do that with your kids. We've got to continue these stories, these traditions, the realities of what made this country so great for the next generations. Another big hour coming your way. Shemaine Nugent, her own self next hour. She's got a new book out and a whole lot more on the Joe Pag Show. Stay here. You're listening to Joe Pags.